Hey, I'm excited. I got, um, uh, I'm excited to be here tonight. It's fun that there is no game actually on a Saturday because I'll be thinking, well, what's the score right now? But <laughs> it's good to not, not have that thought. But anyway, um, if you have been coming here and if you have not, the last three weeks, I, I guess on Saturday, on Sunday mornings, Pastor Jerry has been talking about the house of God. Okay. And, uh, He's been talking about the house of God and the house of God being a house of connection, a house of community, a house of communion. You know, talking about three things about the house of God. And that's what we're about, connection, community, and communion. Now, I've been listening to some of the CDs. I want to encourage you, you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to grow in your faith, Kirsten, we're talking about growing in faith. And I thought about that. God says... Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so if we're not hearing God's word, we don't get stronger in faith. And if we stay long enough without God's word, then we are dead in faith. We come dead in faith. Just like our bodies need nourishment with food, our spirit man needs the word of God for life. And so... I just make it a habit to get like the CDs and I pop them in my car when I'm driving around town. And you know what? My faith gets stirred up. My faith gets motivated. My faith gets activated. And I keep growing in faith. I can be discouraged. I can be going through a hard time. But when I hear God's word, faith begins to develop in me and I realize that I can do all things through God. That God is with me and he's not against me. So I've been listening to the CDs and they, they kind of fired me up and they got, got me excited about the house of God. Okay? About the house of God and what it's about. But what it did for me, for my personal devotion, I started starting just looking back at the inception of when that word, the house of God, was actually initiated. The first time it was ever mentioned was in, uh, back in Exodus. Okay? It was, some of you already know this, it was Moses and the and the Israelites, when they're about their journey out from Egypt into their promised land, which is now Israel. And God had instructed Moses, starting about pro, uh, Exodus, second book in the Bible, and about uh, chapter 30, 34. Okay, we'll read 35. So if you have your Bible, just open 35 with me. I'm going to go through it real quick. But anyway, as you're looking, God tells Moses... Here's what I want you to do. So I'm going to take you back to history. And then 35 is where we're going to read together. So prior to 35, God gives Moses specific instructions as to what the house of God was going to look like. And then it was called, it was called the tabernacle of meeting. Can you repeat that with me? The tabernacle of meeting. Just say it out loud, like the tabernacle of meeting. See, God wanted to meet with the people of Israel. So he designed a place where they could actually go in and meet with God. And so, but at this time, these guys were on a journey. They were, they were not in a permanent home. They were heading somewhere. So it was like a tent. And God gave Moses specific instructions on what they need to do and what it was supposed to look like. Okay, so that's where the house of God started. And so when I got into my Bible and started reading about that, and I thought, you know, God gave me a word to share with you tonight uh, as I was reading that. Um, so let's look at um, Exodus 35. There was something special that was going on. 
So Moses comes out after meeting with God and he goes and tells all the people of Israel what God had told them. Okay, start with me in verse 4 says this. Then Moses spoke to the entire congregation of Israel saying, This is what God has commanded. Gather from among you an offering for God. Receive on God's behalf what every, what everyone is willing to give as an offering. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet materials, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, dolphin skin, acacia wood, lamb oil, spices for anointing oil, and the for, for fragrant incense, onyx, and blah, 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 and it goes on. So they have all these things they're supposed to give. Can't pronounce some of it, and then add my Kenyan accent to it, you're like, you're, <laughs> you're like, alright, so anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Alright, so I'm gonna skip to verse 10. Come all who are skilled, so not only what they're supposed to bring stuff, verse 10 goes, come all you who have skills, come and make everything that God has commanded. You see, it wasn't just the staff, it was also the people. God wasn't just interested in them bringing stuff. Why were they bringing stuff? So that they could build God a house. Okay, so that was God's command to the people. Something funny, notice this. God commanded them. If you're a military guy, or ever served in the military, the word command means something different. Soldiers don't um, uh, negotiate, they just obey commandments. But something in the scripture tells us about the personality of God, or God's character. He commands, but yet he tells Moses, let everyone who's willing. From a soldier, or a captain, or a sergeant, with a troop, when you command, you don't require willingness. See, God never forces us to do anything. Because he created us in his image. So, we have a choice. That's what's when there was, if there is no choice, then there is no love. So when God created us in his image, he wanted us out of our willingness to love him back. See, so God says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And it's a command. But he says, let those who are willing. So keep that in mind. Here's what's the response. Skip over to verse 29. He says this. Every man and woman in Israel whose heart were moved, whose heart moved them freely to bring something for the work of God through Moses, uh, through Moses had commanded them to make, brought it, a voluntary offering for God. Moses told the Israelites, see, God has selected Basil, well, I can't pronounce that name. Can anybody help me there? Bezalel? Alright, Bezalel. I'll take that one. That's close enough. So, see, I've got taken Bezalel of Uri, uh, Bezalel son of Uri, son of Hur, <laughs> of the tribe of Judah. He's filled him with the Holy Spirit and with skills, ability, and the know-how for making all sorts of things. They took Moses and all the offering and God, these guys responded um, uh, Responded with, my notes are mixed up here, excuse me, but the guys responded like crazy. They came in and they like brought in all kinds of stuff and people were like, we are ready Moses, 
show us what to do. And the people are ready. God even gave some people skills on how to do stuff that were not, they were not educated. They didn't go to college to learn architecture. And no, they were filled with God's spirit and God gave them the ability and the creativity <laughs> to do stuff that nobody else had ever done. They didn't have a degree to their name. And so God can take everything we ever need in life, everything we ever desire in life, God has it. And the secret, I, the reason why I wasn't trying to be redundant with that song that we just sang, is that the place that we find God's wisdom is in His presence. So if you figure out how to be in the place where God is, then we can get all the wisdom we need for life. We can get all the wisdom we need to just live there today and beyond. And so, and God wanted that very thing for Israel. That's why he instructed Moses to build the temple and the, the tabernacle. And it was called the tabernacle of meeting, a place where God can meet with you, God can meet with me. But what, 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 what really excites me here is the extravagance of the response. They didn't respond by just bringing what Moses had merely asked for. Here's what the Bible says. If you go on to chapter 36, it says that they responded extravagantly. The guys who are supposed to be in charge of the work, they go, Moses, we need to talk to you. There's a problem here. They brought way too much. You've got to tell them to stop. It was more than enough. Seriously, that's verse 36. Like, Moses, have him stop. The excitement, though, that those guys had for the house of God was phenomenal. But generations later, I come to us where it's like, well, there's a, this church of that, this church of that, this church of that, this church. Well, you go on a minute, we take it for granted. We don't have that excitement of God's house. Like these guys, the first time, like, wow, we could have a place where God can meet with us. We could have a place where we could come in, even if we've sinned, and we could get God's mercy. In the temple, in the tabernacle, there was a place called the mercy seat. And the guys came in to worship, and they wait for the high priest. And they gave offering and stuff, and they got forgiven, and they got washed. We could have that. That was phenomenal for them. And there was an excitement that was there. But we even have better than they did. And the word God gave me when I was studying this is that is the word extravagant generosity. God is a generous God. And we are to be imitators of God. And God wants us to be extravagant in our generosity. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for, you have loved us with an amazing love, Lord. And you have demonstrated your love to us, God, through the cross. And God, we just ask that you will cause the word of God to touch our hearts today. And to let your word change us. Let your word strengthen our faith. Let your word lead us to the place where you are, Lord. So we can be more and more like you, God. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
God wants us to get back that excitement and that um, that excitement that they had when the the house of God was initiated. You see, if you grow up as a kid <laughs> where your parents gave you everything and you knew you didn't have a concept of where the money came from, anything you wanted was always given to you. How many of you know that you end up being a spoil? Fill in the blanks. You do. Have you ever worked with people like that? Gone to school with people like that? Played with friends like that? They have no appreciation. And so that's kind of the picture of what we have become. Because some of the things that God has made is so available for us. In our time, in our generation, we're like, ah, forget that. Really, in the eyes of God, we become spoiled. Fill the blank. Because there is no excitement. Because all of a sudden, it's all about us. Spoiled brats, they only live for themselves. But these guys never had a place like that. That they could go to a tabernacle of meeting. This was a new concept. You mean the almighty God who made everything, this awesome universe that we can never even discover all of it, wants to meet with me in a real personal way? That was awesome. And that generated some excitement in the house. And when the Moses says, hey, here's what we need. They went in. Bible says, every morning they're bringing more stuff. I'm like, every morning. And the piles and piles and piles. And there was some excitement going on. First of all, I know sometimes when we talk about generosity, all of a sudden we sleep. In our heads we go, ching, 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 ching. What's the church wanting to raise money for now? You think in your head, you always think about money. But generosity is not about money. It's a heart. It's something in your heart, a generous spirit. It's not about money. It does involve our money sometimes, but it's not about the money. Generosity is an approach to life. It's an approach to life, being a generous person. If I invited you to my house and got some good barbecue, just grilled some good food for you, you came in, ate it, were glad, left with a smile, man, that was good stuff. Does that make me a cook? Does it make me a chef? It's the same thing with generosity. Just because I did something kind, or I did something good, or I gave something, doesn't make me a generous person. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's something of the life. And God is a generous God. If you figure God out, you'll find out that He is a generous God. When God decided that humanity, we are just a lost bunch and we need a Savior. He didn't go out and His millions of angels and decide, well, I'm going to get the wimp angel out and help humanity on planet Earth. No, he got the heaven's best to our planet. That's generosity to me. He gave himself, because you know what? I don't know what it is to be a man. 
And so I don't understand them fully, even though I made them. I'm going to make myself a human being so I can feel like they feel. God gave us his best. And so, Bible says this in Genesis, that we, human race, we've been created in the image of God. Ephesians 5.1 says this, that we are to be imitators of God. If God gave us his very best, we need to give him our very best too. Okay, so generosity is about your heart. It's something in your, in your spirit. What does it do? Okay. What does it do here? Um, um, I'm going to give you a few reasons why we need to be generous. One, generosity is an action of love, which I kind of already did. God said, I loved humanity so much. Let me prove it to you. He gave us his own life through the person of Jesus Christ to prove it. The most popular verse in the whole universe. Which one is it? John 3.16. What does it say? Say it like you know it. Because I know you know it. John 3.16. God loves the world so much that he gave. Generosity is an action. It's a demonstration of love. Read that one, the next one with me. Romans 5.8. What does it say? But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were good, because we were perfect. He died for us because we were sinners. You know, humans, that includes me and you, is someone is not nice to us, if someone is mean to us, if someone is like Osama Bin Laden, I don't like that guy. But imagine God would have come to the planet if Osama Bin Laden was the only guy living on this planet. Because in that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's God how he demonstrated his love to us. We love our kids, I have four of my own, one on the way. But we, if you're a parent, you know, you always want to give your kids the best that you can for them. Any parents in here? Why? We love them. And so, but giving our kids everything they need or want does not that really demonstrate our love for them fully? We all know that. Whether you're Christian or not a Christian, you know that. They need a lot more than just the stuff, the food, the education, the toys. They need our time, they need our affection, they need us to our affirmation when they do stuff. Those things make a huge, huge impact in the development of our kids. So just because they're provided for materially doesn't make them balanced kids. Doesn't make them secure adults when they grow up. Doesn't make them the people who feel like they can do everything. 
anything that God's put them in, it takes a lot more than just the staff. And that's the same with God. Our spirit of generosity goes far beyond giving of staff, even to God. It goes into our service. It goes into our time. It goes into other different things that we could exhibit His generosity, either in the house of God or with people outside. We are carriers of God's love. And we need to be generous out there. How about ever thought about being um, generous in your kindness? Generous in your love. Generous with your smile. When you're running errands out, this is something I notice all the time. You go like to Home Depot or to the grocery store. The people that are working out there, guys pushing the carts back, most of the time your mind is preoccupied with the stuff you want to do. And I always try, I always have fun with Making a point to make an eye contact with a guy. Like last night we went to Walmart. That place is a zoo. I hate that place. But <laughs> so, <laughs> so we walk out and this kid was, uh, you know, he took my cart outside and he, he was just pushing, doing his job and he's all serious. And when I gave him up, I said, hey, have a good night, buddy. And I looked, you know, like it wasn't like I looked at his face and just took a pause and said, hey, have a good night, buddy. Looked at me and he smiled big, you know. And he was all serious, consumed. And just, that's all he needed. Probably people just passing by and thought, well, they're doing something. But just to tell him that. And I get in my car trying to back up. Big smiles, like, you're good. You know, like, he's watching me out and waving big time, you know. So you can be generous in many ways. Just take one second can make a difference. It's about your heart. And that's what God is interested in. Being generous with your life. Some people just need, people just need someone to listen to them. They've got a lot just piled up. Especially, and I've seen this with seniors. I, you know, I've worked like in customer service, in planning, you know, financial planning. And sometimes you find people that just, kids are all over the country. And so, they are home alone all the time. Don't have a job, they've retired. Sometimes they just want someone to listen. Genuinely. Let's just trying to lie. Just take five minutes, ten minutes to listen. They don't have to talk much. Just listen. And that's all they need. And you leave and you bless somebody big time. You made their day by just listening to them. So God wants that spirit of generosity that far transcends just giving stuff. Okay. So... Generosity, the first one was his love in action. Generosity produces praise. Is that my second or my third one? I think I got it mixed up here. Generosity releases God's supernatural power to work in our natural world. You could take something natural, you put it in the hands of God, and he uses the natural thing to do supernatural stuff. Watch this video with me here for a second.
Oh, I sent the wrong one. <laughs> That's good. liked another one a lot better, but I sent the wrong one. That's, that's just giving you for free. That's generosity. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, we get preoccupied so much with that just getting stuff. And God's like, hey, hold on, stop. Stop. See, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And here's what it says in uh, Isaiah 53. That just, just as far as heaven is far from earth, so is God's ways from our ways. When it comes to giving, when you have a need, you don't have any money and stuff, <laughs> or it looks like stuff's going to get worse in the natural our tendency naturally is to hold up and try to save and hold on to it. But God says, no, 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 no. You need to give more. That's kind of radical. Because his ways are not our ways. Uh, if we are imitators of God, we do what God takes the natural. You remember the bi- story in the Bible? I think most everybody knows the story of the little boy that had five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he was shepherding and went out listening to Jesus, preaching all over the mountains and stuff. And when people got hungry, and the disciples, Jesus' disciples says, what are we going to do? You know, all these guys are here, they are listening to you teach, they are all hungry, we could tell, and they have a long ways to go to get back home. And this little kid, Jesus calls up this little kid that has some food. And he takes it, he gives thanks, and he starts feeding, tell the disciples, start distributing the food to the people. And as they gave, cut the bread, it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And they say 5,000 people, that's what the Bible says, 5,000 men were there, and they didn't even count women and children, which I'm supposing if they counted me, didn't count my wife and my kids, that's a lot more people. You know, back then they had more kids than we do now. And they said there was leftover. Five loaves of bread, two fish will feed a little day for a boy for a day. But in God's hand, in Jesus' hand, it could feed 5,000 people. It could feed thousands of people and still have leftover. Amen. God takes us the natural stuff. When we put it in his hands, he makes something supernatural out of it. When we give to the purposes of God, our money is natural money. But God uses that to do something supernatural. I believe that when we get to heaven one day, 
that we're going to be able to see the impact of every dollar we gave. We're going to be able to see the impact of every prayer we prayed. We're going to be see the impact of every person we hugged and cared for. Because God takes what we could do in the natural and makes a supernatural something that has eternal significance. And so we are just so preoccupied with the little stuff now and holding it. But what I have in God's hand, it can do a lot more than what I could do with it. One thing that I've discovered in my walk with God, this, and it gives me peace in some of the worst times in my life, is this. God has a better plan for me than I have for myself. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the plans I have for you. God saying it to us. They're plans to prosper you and not to hurt you. Plans to give you a future and a hope for the future. So even when I'm going through a hard time and I decide, God, you know, I'm giving it all to you. Not my plan, but yours for my life. Because I have plans for my life. Do you guys have plans for your life? I have plans for my life. And I know God, he wants to help me. But I want God's plan for my life. And one guy, a friend of mine, asked me one time. <laughs> this was funny. Because I knew where I was going with it. There was a girl that, well, he was a single guy, and, and somebody liked him a lot. <laughs> and he was struggling with, man, how do you know? Um, because he, he didn't like this girl, and the girl kind of liked him. And it kind of made him confused, thinking, well... I don't want, I don't want her. He's like, well, he asked me this. How do you know if God's plan for you is what you would like? At first, I didn't know where he was going with it. So I kind of was like, okay, details about it here. Where are you going with it? And I realized what it was. It's talking about a relationship. And I told him the way I look at it is this. God knows our heart's desires. In fact, he says if we get ourselves excited about God, that he will grant us the desires of our hearts. But I also have to have my trust in God that he's not going to lead me on to something that's going to hurt me. See, that's faith. That's just a fundamental of faith, of recognizing my faith in God is that I trust God enough that I know He's not going to do, if I lay my life to Him, He's not going to do something that's going to be bad for me. See, He didn't say that it's going to be easy. That's not the promise of the Bible says. It's not going to be easy. He said, but I will be with you always until the very end. He promised that. So that means through thick and thin, he's going to be with you. He didn't say it's going to be an easy ride all the time. Because even some of the most godly, some of the most generous people go through hard times. The guy I can think about in the Bible is Job. Guy like, I'm like, God, don't make me Job. Please don't make me Job. 
Because this guy, you read Job chapter 1 and 2, the Bible says there was nobody in all the planet that was as godly as this guy. Job will sit down in his house and starts to pray and begins to give offerings to God. It's like, God, I'm giving you this for your house just in case my kids even think about sinning against you. It's not like, oh God, just for me. He's already past that. He's giving way beyond for himself. He's like, God, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving you gifts. Just in case my kids mess up sometime, Lord, that you would have mercy on them. This guy was another class of godliness. Another class of generosity. And yet, he went through some tough times in his life that I'm like, God, I don't want any of it. But the good part of the story, you know, a lot of people don't look at the end. Job ended up a better guy, a better person at the end than he was before. And it wasn't about the stuff. It was the person, the character that was built in him. He came out a better person, not just that he was more wealthy than he used to be. He was just a better human being as he was. You know what God, Job told God? He goes, Lord, even if you kill me, my trust in you will not waver. I'll still trust you to my deathbed. See, and some of us, when something bad happens, God forgot about me. Where is God when this happened? We, you know, people start blaming God for bad stuff. And Job, everything that he ever had, still begins, puts his trust mightily on God. And so, God uses our generosity. I have a series of scriptures here. Luke 6.38 says this. Here's our thought and God's thought. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be men give to you. For with the measure you use will be measured to you. Another verse um, of generosity in Proverbs, it says that the generous heart shall be made, generous heart shall prosper. And he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. I thought, well, I need to take care of myself before I can take care of others. I read on USA Today this week, they did a survey about the countries that give the most. The United States was the top of the line. $27 billion uh, a year we give. Second was Japan, in about $17 billion. And then um, after Japan, it was France, uh, Germany, and then France, and then England. And on the survey, they said, how many of you think that the United States should quit giving so much to foreign aid to, so that they could cut on taxes? The nationwide survey said that about 60% said, yeah, they should. And then... Well, and then they, you go in and check in Nebraska, this will make you feel good. Only ab- about 49% said, yeah, they should. And get this, in Lincoln, because they're tracking where the people are serving in Lincoln, only about 21% said they should. So, it gave me a little hope about my city. But you know, and it's a, it can be a political statement, but that's not my point. It just shows us what we are thinking as as a nation as far as generosity is concerned. Because on the natural, we want to take care of ourselves first before we can take care of others. And God's saying, you take care of others 
and I'll take care of you. You take care of my business, and then I'll take care of you. The opposite. He who a generous heart will be made will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Um, another one there is that um, 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 Second Corinthians nine six and eight says this: that God loves the cheerful giver. He goes on and says that remember this: that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly; whoever sows generously will also reap generously goes on to say that each man should give what they have decided in their hearts to give, not reluctantly or out of pressure, because God loves a cheerful giver. You're giving with excitement, you're giving with a cheer. And then the other one there about God is like uh, in Second Corinthians 8, 7, says this, that, we, that as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving, in the grace of generosity. God doesn't want us to just do acts of generosity. He wants us to flourish or excel in generosity. That, be, that becoming our lifestyle. And the last thing I was going to talk about generosity is that generosity results in thanksgiving to God. See, we give for three reasons. We give, well... We give for the purpose of the advancing the kingdom of God. Like, on a practical level, let's say for our church, we want the needs of the church to be met. These lights cost something, you know. The building costs something. We give for that stuff. We want the kingdom of God to advance. Then we give to help others who have need. And that's the part the world knows about. Hey, and the, the Bible talks about it all the time. That we need to help others. We give for that reason. There's one though aspect of giving that we forget a lot. In fact, it doesn't talk about we give to we give to give honor. That makes sense. We give to give honor. Kings give to kings. They don't give to fill a need. When President Obama visits, a, has a pre, uh, somebody from another country come in, they always exchange gifts. Or they always give him something. Why? To honor that nation and that person. They're not giving to give a need. They give for honor and respect. Oh, that's, sometimes we just give for that honor and respect to God. Not because there's a need. Not because um, um, uh, we're helping something. We're giving just in honor and respect to God. Proverbs says this, honor the Lord with the first part of your income and God will bless you. So, I feel that the Lord just wants us to come back to a heart of generosity. Renew that excitement that they once had when they were told about the house of God. That excitement, and you see it a couple other times in the Bible, that the same picture happened. And I won't go into details about it because of time. But we don't need to take things for granted. Let's not take God for granted. Just because he's been so generous to us, that he doesn't even impose himself on us. And so we take advantage of it, and we take him for granted. And so... We need to live as people that are going to make an account one day to God. 
And that's not why we live, but it's good for us to be conscious and understand that. And the reason why we have free will, it's all because of God's generosity. He could have made us all robots. And we can obey him without a will. But God was generous enough to make us in a way that we can make a choice. He will love it if we loved him back. But he will not force us to love him back. Three things tonight, if you've got to remember this. There's three ways we could express generosity. One is spirit. Two is service. And three with substance. Spirit, God is only interested in us. Giving of our total self to him. The part of us that's made in the image of God is the real us. And that's what God's interested in. In service, we need to give more. We need to give of our time and our talent for the purposes of God. We want given talents and different giftings just for ourselves. We're given to glorify God in it. When's the last time you used your gift to glorify God? You know, they say America, we spend so much time on TV, like about an average of about four hours a day is a person stuck on the tube. And, they put, you know, if you look at that, in a week, it's like 28 hours. That's a part-time job. <laughs> in just two more hours, and you can get benefits. <laughs> and if for 65 years, we spend how many solid months just on the tube? Nine years. Kid was born, went to third grade. <laughs> we can weave a little bit of that time and give it to God for something that fathers God's kingdom. I'm not against TV and all that, but you know, it just really gets us to think about what we're spending our time with. It's time for relaxation and enjoyment. But how much are we giving God in retrospect in comparison to stuff that really doesn't matter? So, and then thirdly, which we kind of talked about, is giving of our resources for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Do we, you know, because when we give our money to the kingdom of God, it has eternal impact. If it's to send a missionary that goes into a village that's never heard about Christ, some people are going to meet in heaven and say, hey, I'm here because you gave. Stand up with me and just just, uh, pray tonight and just ask the Lord to input in us the spirit of generosity. So we can be generous in every way. Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise tonight, Lord. Lord, your generosity towards us it was amazing. We can't even match it, Lord. You gave us heaven's best, your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Not because we were good people, not because we were religious, but because, Lord... We were still sinners, Lord, but your 